you know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. Mm. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Forever35. Hello and welcome to Forever 35 
This is a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. And I'm Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. No, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. You can find everything we mention on the podcast over on our website, forever35podcast.com. We've got links to everything we mentioned on the show there. You can follow us on Twitter at forever35pod, Instagram at forever35podcast. And you can join the Forever 35 Facebook group where the password is serums. Just a reminder, you can sign up for our newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. We have another issue going out tomorrow. And if you want to chit-chat with us, I mean, sort of. I like how you phrase that, chit-chat. It'll be like a one-sided chit-chat. Well, I'll text you back. I try to text some people back if I can. Um, you can call or text us 781-591-0390 or email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. I want to pose a question. How freaked out, this is for the listeners, how freaked out would you be if you went to call the voicemail number to leave a voicemail and I answered? Would it be awkward for you? I'm just curious. I mean, as the co-host of this podcast, I think it would be awkward (laughs) for me if you were doing that. But I was like, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah, I would be uncomfortable if I if I called a podcast and the host was like, hello, I would be awkward. I would be I would yeah, be terrified. I would right? hor- be horrified. I'd hang up. Yeah. Okay. I but, won't do that. I was just should, curious because it does should ring. Probably, you should probably do that. Like one time. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can turn off the ringer. I have it turned off. But I mean, like, what if one day I was like, we'll just turn it on. And if anybody who calls in will answer and see what happens. Um. Yeah, you should do that. That seems terrifying. I, on the other side, of, like for me, I would be very fun. On the other side of things, I think it would probably be horrifying. So I won't do that. Okay. Okay. All right. It's just an idea that popped into my head. Um, Dory, before we get started, I just want to do my like book promotion spiel because as you might know, if you listen to the podcast, I have my first novel coming out on March 15th. <laughs> And look, we're in the heat of promotion. This will not last forever. I appreciate you bearing with me as I make these little announcements and spiels and everything else. But here's the deal. Number one, I am hosting a virtual launch party on March 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern. And my guest is one and only Dory Shafrir. That's right. Dory and I will be in conversation. Yeah. And you can join us. It's All you got to do. So fun. I'm excited. As we've I'm discussed, really we're just going to like let it rip. So you want to be there. You don't want to miss this. Please come chat with us live. All you have to do is just uh, fill out a little form with your name, your email address, and upload a receipt showing that you bought my book and you're in. That's, That's it. it. Easy peasy. That's it. Easy peasy. You can pre-order my new book in a New York Minute anywhere you buy books. But if you want a signed and personalized copy, I will include a link because you can get one of those signed by me from Vromans or The Ripped Bodice, two wonderful bookstores here in Los Angeles. And of course, you can pre-order the audiobook anywhere you get an audiobook. We love our friends at Libro FM. You can also check out, you know, Audible everywhere. Everywhere an audiobook is, the book is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's my spiel. I am done spieling. That is your spiel. Um, I have a mini spiel, which is just to remind everyone that I have a new newsletter. Now we're talking. And you can sign up for that at dory.substack.com. It's really, it's popping off over there. 
We are spieling and popping today. We're spieling and popping. And you know what is exciting, Kate? I don't, but I'm excited to find out what is exciting. You are the guest of today's oh episode of Forever 35. Oh, You're doing double God. duty. You're both the host and the guest. <laughs> you know, we did this when your book, Thanks for Waiting, was coming out. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. were the actual guest on an episode. And I, I really, I had a chuckle over planning my questions and kind of tormenting mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And and now mm-hmm. it's my turn in the hot seat. It is your turn. I'm excited. Uh. I, I'm excited, but I love being a podcast host. And I always, it's hard for me to shut that off. You know, I love asking questions. Yeah. I love like following up. So I, just to like take a, just to relax in the passenger seat today, is it's going to be strange. Well, Kate, Lean back, have a sip of water from your hydro flask, <laughs> and just enjoy, okay. enjoy okay. what is about to come. So, What Kate, is going to happen? Okay. As you know, because you are one of the hosts of this podcast, we like to start every interview by asking our guests about a self-care practice that they have. And since you, Kate Spencer, are the guest today, I, Dory Shafrir, also known as one of the hosts of this podcast, <laughs> am asking you, what is a self-care practice that, and look, maybe you've talked about it on the show, maybe you haven't, maybe you're doing something that we don't know about. I'm dying to know. Okay, I'm going to drop a new one on you today, <gasps> yes! Dory, but it's oh, it's something yes. you and I have texted about, so you know I'm doing this. Okay. All right. But I'm actually surprised we haven't discussed this for either of us on Forever 35 yet. Okay. And that is every morning I am doing Wordle. Every oh, morning yes. I get up, I get my coffee, I let the dogs out, and then if I have time before the madness of like my kids rising and demanding oatmeal, I will do the Wordle word game, which if you're not familiar, I I suspect most people are, but it's a word game that a gentleman made for his partner. And his last name was what? Wardle? Yeah. And he just called it Wordle. Yeah. Uh And you have to basically figure out a five letter word and you get what, six chances to figure it out? Um, I think it's six. And I find it extremely satisfying to do every morning. In fact, like sometimes there have been nights where I know it's gone live because it's, I think it's done in the UK. And um, I'll, I'll be like, I could do Wordle now, but it's like, no, I like it in the morning. It just gets my brain kind of juiced up. Okay. It's satisfying, but it doesn't take me too long most days. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of knock Mm -hmm. it out in under five minutes. And I just find it extremely satisfying. We should note it has been purchased by the New York Times, but it is still free for anyone to use. So if you're a Wordle curious and you're not already playing, I highly recommend it. For those of us who aren't going to sit down and do a crossword every day, you know, Sure, sure, sure. Even the New York Times spelling bee sometimes takes me a very long time. But this Mm. is just a quick brain teaser that I have really been enjoying. It's been a really nice way to start my day. It is nice that it's not like long and drawn out. I agree. 
some days there have been either like I get caught up doing something or the word is like for whatever reason I'm having a hard time with the word, but most days it's a quickie, you know? Mm-hmm. Quick uh mm-hmm. now, Kate, are you a person who starts th- with the same word every day? Never. Okay, me too. No. In that- fact, most days I can't even remember what I started with the day before. <laughs> same. Oh, never. Never ever. And quite honestly, my strategy changes from day to day. Like when I was first starting, I was dumping a bunch of vowels in there to try to knock out the vowels. And now I'm just like, anything goes. I don't care. I'm going to just rogue wordle today where I suspect like my husband, I don't know, but I feel like he probably, he probably has some real strategy to it because he's a real strategy guy. Mm, Interesting. But I just like to kind of go crazy with my wordle. Wow. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, I have gotten two in two tries. That's amazing. Wow. I, that's been a real highlight for me. I tend to I tend to land mostly in the four try zone. I've yep, gotten yep. yeah. Same. Yeah. That's Same. where I kind of land. Um unrelated question, but do you involuntarily think of the Baja Men song Who Let the Dogs Out when you let your dogs out? <laughs> no. No. Um, do you I do that I would. every morning? No, but because you have multiple dogs. Oh, well, See, for then, me, it would just be dog who let the dog out. Okay, yeah, no, it's not the I same. I don't. But now I'm annoyed because I feel like now tomorrow morning I'm going to be like, and that's going to be in my head. I mean, it'll kind of make it more fun. <sighs> Will it though? Yeah, you're going to don't think, know if that's a good song. Who let the dogs out? <laughs> who, 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 who? And then you can be like me, like me. I let the dogs it's out. <laughs> always. This sounds like a preschool. Like a song and dance that you do with like preschool kids, like who let the dogs out? I let the dogs out. Who let the dogs out? Henry let the dogs out. You know, those kind of like back and forth preschool songs. I do. I'm thinking of like the hello circle song. There's always like some sort of hello circle song. There is. Yes. At, At my son's school, there's also a goodbye circle song. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, except one time I started singing it to him before he went to sleep and he started to cry. So, <gasps> story. <laughs> Did he say why? No, he gets very emotional around certain songs. Anyway, oh. this is not about me. This is about you. Mm-hmm. Kate. Okay. You are looking quite fetching today. Okay. Your hair is in a very pretty braid situation Mm -hmm. okay your makeup is on point okay now i would like to know because you have talked about your five minute makeup routine but i would like to know what what makeup is in the rotation when you want to like look not just a five minute makeup like when you're like i'm gonna put on makeup okay i'm gonna do my makeup so today okay so after we record this episode, I have to record a video as a part of my book book promotion. So I would say the makeup I have on right now is what I would call like Zoom or video makeup. I don't think I have a going out makeup routine yet because I haven't really gone out in a few years. You know, like I don't have like a, I'm going to someone's birthday party makeup. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, but so will, like, so like, nice I'll tell you what I have makeup. on now. Yes, yeah. please. So for Zoom makeup, I kind of just have been digging whatever I have at home. Like, I don't have a thick, 
um, uh, foundation anymore. But what I did use was Thrive Cosmetics BB cream. And I actually have to say it, it like went on with a lot of coverage. Let me make sure it's, I have the correct one. Is it the BB? Okay. No, I'm sorry. The Thrive Market CC cream. And I believe it kind of is, they call it buildable, but I was surprised at how much coverage it is giving me because you know, oftentimes a lot of these like new kind of foundations are very light or they're like a serum mm-hmm. foundation. Mm-hmm. So this one gave me a lot of coverage. I also used their concealer. I, I normally am a Fenty concealer person, but um, okay. I couldn't find it. So I dug out my Thrive and that gave me some really good coverage too. So I've got some Thrive cosmetics happening on my face. I will say I always use Thrive mascara, but today I couldn't find that because it's all packed because I'm traveling. So uh, I used my Elia mascara. Just want to side note that. Mm. Okay. For my cheek story, I used Gucci Westman Atelier. Yes, yes. Now, she has like a cheek blush stick that I really like. Tis very blendable, but if you want to get a little heavier with the color, which I think you want in a video because we get so washed out in these zooms. So I have that in, I think, oh my God, you're going to laugh. I think the color I'm using is Dodo. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I think I have to double check. D-O-U-D-O-U. It's a warm rose. It's either that or wow. Petal, the dusty nude rose color. Yeah. Or it's the one named after you, Dodo. Uh, so I like this stick. This stick is expensive. It's $48. I also have one of the Gucci Westman Atelier sticks, and I also like it. And I was also a little shocked at the price. Yeah, I had sticker price, but I, I mean, sticker shock, but I also like it. So I don't know. I'm trapped. So there we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Then for the eyes, I used a Tarte Lit by Tarte eyeshadow palette. I love that palette. I love it too. And I'm trying to remember which one I used. If I can take a moment because I... I wasn't prepared to answer this question, so I'm really not um, doing the best job oh, here with... Sorry. <laughs> no, no it's, I, I should have reviewed what I was going to be asked because I do have access to our documents. I did, I did put the questions in the document. Yes, you did. Okay, so <laughs> I used the um, uh, In Bloom palette, Tartlet palette. Mm-hmm. Okay. In Bloom. Okay, then Dory came the disaster of my eyeliner in which I was using my beloved Stila double-sided eyeliner that has like their regular tip and their micro tip. Mm-hmm. And I, my hand is unsteady. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't have a firm grip on this eyeliner. And so I went like, zoop, and I made it thicker than it needed to be. So then I had to match on the other side. So I w- now I have very thick eyeliner on And then I was like, oh, should I just go for it and do a cat eye? Like, what fun? And that was a bad idea. What fun? (laughs) Yeah. I. I, Why do I always think it's going to work out? It never does. I have this thing by Kaja Eye, and they make a cat eye-shaped stamp. Okay. Oh, that's fun. 
it's it's very cool. In theory, I feel like it's a great idea. I have a hard time kind of making the stamp as pointy as I want. But I used, mm. after I did my eyeliner, like on my lid, I used their Wink Stamp Wing Eyeliner. And I stamped the cat eye on the side of my eyes. Okay. Okay. They also make an eyeliner, but in this instance, I used my Stila eyeliner and I used the Kaja stamp. Okay. And then to tie it all together, my favorite red NARS heat wave. Mm. A classic. Apparently, you know, I am just kind of getting involved with this color, but everybody knows it. I'm like the last to know. <laughs> And then the last, (laughs) I do feel like I'm the last person on earth who's in tune with the fact that this is the perfect red. And then I did just want to mention since like I'm the guest today, is that a product I really want to get, but I have not bought yet is the Jones Road Beauty Miracle Bomb. Ooh. Have you tried this? People love this stuff. But I am so Jones Road curious. Me too. That's exactly what I am. And I just haven't like bit the bullet, but it's Bobby Brown's actual makeup line, right? Like Bobby Brown, the yes. line we know was because sold she, and she has nothing to do yes, with it. She does not own the rights to her name. So right. Yeah. So this balm is basically like, it's like a sheer, but it's a color and you just kind of put it all over your face. Ooh. I don't know. I'm intrigued. That's Maybe intriguing. you can use it. Yeah. You can use it you know, as a little bit, like, I, I don't, you know, like on your cheeks. I don't okay. know. I really wanted to try this and I just haven't yet. So I just wanted to throw that out as like an on the horizon product that I want to get my hands on. I'm excited for you. I mean, luckily I do this podcast so I can report back on if That's I get true. it and if I like that it. That's very true. I just need to like slow my roll in terms of the acquisition of makeup products and skincare products. I mean, it's gotten to be too much. Or do you? I think I do. (laughs) Okay. Today, today, Anthony came in and and just goes, um, in, I have a question, like amongst all the products that you own, do you have a body moisturizer that I could have? I was like, oh, Oh yeah, I do. I have a thousand you could have because I'm collecting them. Oh, Sweet, sweet, straight men. <laughs> um, okay, one more makeup question, and then we're going to move on. Okay. Um, okay. Have you gotten any more lipsticks that you're excited about? No, but you know what I have circled back to? Oops, excuse me. You know what I've circled back to what? that I've been using a lot? Okay, so uh, a friend of ours in front of the pod, author Maureen Gu. Yes, I think yes. the first time she was on Forever 35, she recommended a Sisley Phyto Lip Twist, which is basically like a stick, a lip pencil, like a big fat lip pencil. Okay. And I bought this per her recommendation and then kind of forgot about it. And I've recently picked it back up and I love it. I love it. Like, And this thing is good for both uh, like a Zoom makeup and mm-hmm, a natural mm-hmm. live in your life makeup. That's exciting. And I will tell you the color I have as soon as I figure it out. Yes. Okay. So I have it in nut. 
Nut. Okay. Nut. Not the best, most descriptive name <gasps> for no. a color. No. It's kind of like a, uh, I don't know. It's like a dusty peach. Okay. Which does All not right. sound delicious. No, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound bad. Nut sounds kind of lame. Nut. No disrespect <laughs> to Sisley Paris, but really <laughs> nut. Oh, gosh. Anyway, this thing is probably four years old, Dory. Like, it's, I've had it for a while. I probably shouldn't okay, be using okay. it, but sorry, I am. I'm still using it and it works fine. <laughs> what can I say? Um, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank okay. you. Um, all right. So, moving on. Uh, actually, you know what, Kate? Yes. We are going to take a short break. Oh, I love being in the passenger seat. I didn't even yes. know that was ha- going to happen. Okay, great. Let's take a pause. And when, yeah, we're going to take a pause. And when we come back, we're going to be really getting into it about your book. Oh, goodness. Okay, I'm ready. All right. We'll be right okay. back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass, but this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be Redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com 
slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I am right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie also from quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The superpower short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me Let me just tell you why. Yeah, get into okay, it. Okay, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say, like, I, I I, don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it, like, the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like, get this off of me. <laughs> No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. 
Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. Okay, we have returned. Our guest today is the one and only Kate Spencer. That's me. So thrilled to have you on the show, Kate. Thank you so much. I've always wanted to come on. I've been a longtime listener. You, I mean, you've been you've been one of our dream guests for a long time. Ugh, I know, I know. I've been top of the list. You have. Okay, so Kate, let's talk about this book because okay. I feel like I... I saw kind of the genesis of this book. You were someone who was like, I've always wanted to write a novel. Like, I remember you saying that. And then you wrote a novel. And now I know that the 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 path from A to B was not quite as uh, straightforward as I'm presenting it here on the podcast. So let's talk about the process of writing this book. Okay. I want to know... How many drafts did you write? Oh. How like how much kind of like overhauling did you do? How different is the final product from the original from the first let's say the first draft? Okay. And I'm also curious, sorry, this is like a 10-part question. I don't mind. Do you recall specific feedback you got that improved the book? Yes. Okay. Okay. Where would so, you like to begin? <laughs> okay, let's start. So I have always wanted to write fiction. Since since around 2010, I have been writing fiction privately, like just writing attempted manuscripts for years and years and years. And I have never finished a manuscript. And finally, with this book and this idea, I just said to myself, like, look, it's now or never. If you really want to do this, you're going to finish a first draft. Like enough of this giving up in the middle and not, and it's being so bad and you can't look at it like you just, you just fucking do it. I just felt really determined just because I knew, you know, when there's something you want to do so badly, but like you're your own, you're the only person standing in your way. Yes. That's what it was me standing in my own way. And so I just kept going and I set a word count goal and kind of a target deadline for a first draft and I did it. And the thing about writing is once you have words written down, it becomes a lot easier to then keep going. So it's, you know, it's a real catch 22 because writing is hard mm-hmm. and not always fun. And you're also critiquing your work in real time. And you're just like, this is terrible. Yeah. This is awful. When I'm, who am I kidding? I can never do this. This makes no yeah. sense. When the truth is the real work comes when you revise and edit and revise and edit and polish the thing into the like, you know, the final product. So Mm -hmm. my first draft of this book was probably around, let's say, 55,000 words. And I think I set that target because when you do National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo, Mm -hmm. I think they they target you at like 56,000 words. And that's where you try to complete a first draft of something in a month. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to get there. And I did it. And that was amazing. It felt amazing. And I will tell you, in terms of like the difference between that moment when I finished the first draft and the book that is coming out, it's changed so much 
it the book is now about 95,000 words long, so it's almost wow. doubled in size. So that should just tell you how much work went in after the first draft. Yeah. So I think you read a version maybe right before it kind of went to my agent. And what I was was a really great learning experience for me is that working with my editor, Amy Pierpont at Forever, really like the book transformed under her um tutelage. Like she really she was a real partner in improving the book and helping me really clarify stuff and the ending is different. I mean it really it really changed a lot. So it went through before I sent it kind of off to my agent, it probably went through three revisions and I had had a bunch of friends read it and then we sold it and then I did a bunch of revising with my and with my editor. So it it really has changed a lot. Which I think when you read a book, you're reading someone's final piece of work and it's you can't ever visualize or see or imagine like the many stages that thing went through, but woof, it goes through a lot. Totally. You know, and that's been eye-opening to me as I as I now transition into my role as author. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, Kate. Okay, wait. Yes, yes. you did oh, ask me oh, if sorry. there was advice. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. If no, there was I'm specific editorial feedback that you remember that you feel like really improved the book. Well, I do think, you know, one thing that stands out is my friend Gwen read it, and she is a lawyer. And one of the characters in my book uh, is also a lawyer. And I had had her as a law professor this originally and Gwen read a copy and was like, just so you know, if this person's a law professor, they went to basically like Yale and Harvard and they like, it's very hard to become a law professor. It's not just like anything and like an average person's just kind of doing on the side. And that was, cause that was very eye opening because I don't know anything about law professorships. I just kind of like made this character a law professor because it worked with the story. And so, you know, just having people from a wide a variety of walks of life read your work is very helpful because mm. they catch things that you might have forgotten to research. And so that character then became an adjunct law professor and also like a lawyer to nonprofit. So like things like that. And then there are also like massive structural changes and, you know, character changes and all sorts of things. But that one really like that was very helpful. That was a thing that could have just I could have overlooked, you know, and then someone reading it yes. who's a law professor would have been like, what? I think that also points to something that I think people that writers sometimes forget, which is like, it's good to show people your work. And it's good to show like a range of people your work because like Gwen's not an editor, you know, she's not like a professional who edits books for a living, but she is a she's a talented writer of other things and like she has this like life experience to draw on that can help inform what you're writing about. So I feel like people should, you know, remember that when they are writing that like it's good to get people's feedback. You know, this is very good advice and it's one that is very hard for me because I'm such a people pleaser that I feel really nervous to show people anything that doesn't feel like my best work because I don't want them to think poorly of me. So showing people work in progress has been a real, like you were probably the first person I ever did that with. And it's been a real process for me because it feels embarrassing sometimes. You're like, I don't, this is not 
quote there yet. But then having someone read it in the various stages and just giving like, uh, the feedback can be so helpful. I got feedback from a friend recently on a current manuscript, and it completely improved it. And it was like a general kind of note that she gave me. So yeah, if you are creating work in that way, I highly recommend getting uncomfortable and having a lot of people read it. Yeah, I mean, that's also like a good reminder for myself. So gonna it's try hard. to take my own advice here. Well, we've also been so conditioned to like, always only put out our best stuff. You know, like there's totally yes. Culturally, I feel like there's not a lot of room for like things that are and whatever it is doesn't necessarily have to be art, like anything that we're just kind of practicing and working toward. There's not a lot of space to just be like mediocre and have that be fine. Ooh, yes. Such right? a good such a good point. Such a good point. Thank you. So <sighs> Kate Yes. I would like to know what is your writing practice? My writing practice is inconsistent because I do not have a consistent daily schedule. Because I have two children and two dogs and a spouse and a home and family and I part of my job is creating this podcast with you. Um, I also have other writing work. So it, there's no like consistent day to day for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I say this because I think like sometimes some writers are like, I get up at eight and I check my email and then from nine to two, I write. And then at two, I go for a walk. And So I don't live like that. I write when I can. And that's it. And you that you just have to be consistent and doesn't consistency isn't every day. It means just coming back to it, you know, over and over and over again. So that is how I write. I try to write in uh, Pomodoro method where I write for about 20 minutes using my time timer clock that you're familiar with and then giving myself a break. But I don't always follow that. And the one thing I do that really does help is every when I'm working on a project, every time I write, I try to track my word count for that writing session on a, a like a Google Sheets or Excel spreadsheet. And then I also put the total because I really like seeing the increase in words. That helps me understand that it's moving forward. You know, I feel like sometimes we, when we feel like a a project or something we're doing isn't moving forward, you're just like, why, what is the point of this? But when you can kind of see that even if you write like a hundred words, your project is still growing. Mm-hmm. It really, really helps. I don't know what it is. It just truly, truly makes a difference. I'm trying to find, trying to look on here and see if I can find the one that I was doing for my current manuscript. One moment, please. Dory, word. Word count. Here we go. Okay, I didn't follow. I didn't completely follow through this. But for example, on July seventh of this draft, I had four hundred and ninety-seven words total. And you're just like, how am I ever going to write a book? I have five hundred words. But by, you know, August thirty-first, I had seventeen thousand words. Wow. 
Wow. So just to see that get bigger and bigger every day, and it doesn't matter how much you write, even if you only write 10 words, that's still that's 10 more words than you had. Yeah, it's 10 more words than you had yesterday. Exactly. And it's just literally putting that one word on top of the other, you know, small steps, baby steps, small steps. Oh, I love that. Would you say that that is something that helps keep you motivated? Yes. And it makes the idea of completing a project more digestible. Mm. Getting to a certain Mm -hmm. word count for me really helps. Um, And just so people know, when you talk about word count, books vary in, um, you know, the amount of words that are in them. But I would say the average book that you're reading probably has about 80 at least. Yeah. You know, can vary anywhere from like 70 to 200,000 words. You know, some of these like giant Game of Thrones type books. Yeah. But I would say probably in the 80 range would be like your average novel, maybe maybe 80 to 100. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it's, you know, you kind of just sit there and keep adding them. It can feel very <sighs> tedious. Yeah. But then in the end, you have a book. Yes. That's what's so like miraculous about it every time to me. It's always like, wow. Totally. This came out of thin air. Yeah. Um, all right. Kate. Yes. I would like to know, you know, I, I know that very few of our listeners will have already read the book by the time this airs. So I don't want to like get too into the plot or, you know, the characters really, but could you give us just kind of a brief overview of the book? And then I have some follow-up questions to that. I would be honored, Dory. Here's what this book is about. Our main character, Franny, is having a really terrible day. She's just gotten laid off. She's walking to the subway in New York City, carrying a variety of bags that are hurting her back. You've been there. You know what it's like, all of you out there. You're carrying like a purse and a tote bag with your lunch, and then you're holding a box with all the stuff from your desk because you just got laid off. She makes it onto a crowded subway car at rush hour in the morning, and as soon as she does, she realizes that she is having a terrible wardrobe malfunction in which her dress gets stuck in the subway door and it rips down the back and she is suddenly about to be naked on the subway. And of course, a handsome stoic stranger steps in and offers her his jacket and they have a very awkward interaction and then he leaves and gets off at a stop. And to the people around them, it looks like they have just had the most adorable romantic interaction in the world. And they capture it all and post it on Instagram, and it goes viral. And of course, these they did not have a very sweet, adorable interaction, and they meet again, and it gets even more awkward, and they're like, we could never be together. But then, because of the magic of New York City and their wonderful little friend groups, the world keeps bringing them back together again and again. And then, of course, because it is a romance... We do have a happily ever after at the end of this book. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Yeah, that is, with a romance, you always have to have a happily ever after. So don't fret. But yeah, it's it's really, you know, it's really a story about falling in love, finding yourself, figuring out, you know, who you are as as an adult and um, doing that with friends who really feel like family. And, Mm -hmm. you know, another thing I hope is that this book is light and funny. I wanted to really kind of honor the rom-com genre that I love so much. So, you know, there's a lot of fun little rom-com tropes throughout that I always really enjoy as a reader and also a viewer of rom-coms. So it's a, it's a light read. 
it's, it's a, a light, really it's a very read. fun light read i also will say that you you briefly mentioned this but in addition to it being a very fun romance i also love your portrayal of female friendship in this book thank you Dory, I mean, number one, you got to have a book that passes the Bechdel test, right? You want to have people who contain multitudes. You don't just want it to be about like, you know, a dude. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That being said, I really had fun writing the friendships uh, Franny has with her two best friends, Lola and Cleo, because I don't know, I have such close friendships and they really, your friends really do get you through the shitty times, right? Like they are the people who are there for you when you are going viral for an embarrassing reason or when you get laid off or you get dumped or you have something to celebrate. Like they are your number one cheerleaders and they're to pick you up. And that's what I, that's what I, that's, that is how my experience living in New York city was. And even now as a, you know, an old lady living in the suburbs of Los Angeles, I still feel that way about um, my friends. And so that was very satisfying to write. Um, and also, you know, I did live in New York in my 20s. And my first apartment, I lived with two of my best friends, Sarah and Teresa, and we got into a lot of mischief. And so, you know, a lot of that is kind of a, a lot of our adventures inspired just the those friendships too. Hmm. I know. Ugh. I dedicated the book partially to them and I just told them today. So that's fun. Yeah. Why did you want to set a book in New York? Was it because you kind of had these fond memories of the mischief that you and your pals had gotten into in your early 20s? Was there something else about the city that you felt drawn to, to kind of portray it in fiction? Okay. I... I just said it in New York because it, in my brain, it was just easy to have a mm. big a subway mishap was kind of the initial yes. idea, this like subway moment. So I knew the New York subway very well. We, New York has a really active subway system. Like this was easier to pull off than if I were going to do like the BART in San Francisco or, right. you know, our subway sure. here in LA. Yes. So number one, that that was part of it. And I just know New York very well. And so it felt comfortable to set a book there. Like I've never been to Chicago, for example. I don't know mm. if I could write the same book about two people in Chicago because I I don't know. I don't have like a love relationship with certain streets or certain, you know, areas or a certain bagel shop. Where in New York, I'm, I'm writing about New York, I kind of got to just weave those things in. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah. And then, you know, what happened is that I just kind of like poured all my homesickness for New York into it mm. because I love, it's my favorite place in the world and I still deeply miss not living there. And so this was like my way of just getting to be like, Ugh. you know, that like crying feeling when you miss your home. Totally. That's totally. what this, that's what a lot of this ended up being. And again, like it was also very fun, Dory, because like my, one of my favorite movies was when Harry met Sally in New York is essentially a character in that film. Yes. And so it kind of started to feel like that for me. And that was really, really fun. Well, as someone who also um, set a novel in New York, I totally understand. But actually, your bringing up When Harry Met Sally is Mm. the perfect segue to my next question, which is that your book has been compared to Nora Ephron's work. 
who of course wrote When Harry Met Sally. And I just want to know, how does that make you feel? Okay. If that's ridiculous, number one. That's what it makes me feel like because that Nora Ephron's like one of my biggest role models. Obviously, she's like a legend. So that's a very generous comparison. You know, that's like very, very kind. Look, I'm but, not the one who made it. I no, just, I was very flattered that that was mentioned a couple times by people who blurbed the book or who have read it. Um, but also, like, I love. Nora Ephron has written some of the best romantic comedies ever, okay? Ever. Ever. And she does it so well, and she's brilliant. And I I long for media that is like that. And I think we're seeing like a resurgence of romantic comedies kind of coming back. I you know, yes. I enjoyed Single All the Way on Netflix. I liked, you know, like Ali Wong's movie, Always Be My Maybe. I feel like, you know, The Hating Game, which is a book I love, was recently turned into a film. I do think we're seeing that this kind of like amazing romantic comedy genre come back in a wonderfully reinvented, smarter, more inclusive way. Yeah. Um, And I just wanted, I, that's just, it's what I love. Like, that's just what brings me the greatest joy. I mean, you've heard me like gush about all things romantic comedy. I mean, it's my favorite. So I certainly have been inspired and, you know, I'm following what I have learned watching um, all these movies and reading people's work over the years. I mean, it's, you know, everything is derivative ultimately. So yes, I'm certainly channeling all, you know, my Nora Ephron desires into, into this book for sure. Ugh. I mean, I was kind of joking when I said, well, I wasn't the one who made that comparison. But the fact is, I agree with it. So That's really on nice. that note, we're going to take another little break. Okay. And when we come back, I have some more questions for you. <laughs> Great. All right. We'll be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering crappiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I know. Visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel. I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm-hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. 
You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm-hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. OneSkin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Okay, Kate. Yes. I think that the the question on everyone's mind is, is there sex in the book? And what was it like to write sex scenes? Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you asked this. I've been doing a lot of podcasts and no one has asked me this yet. What? Okay. How? How has no one asked you this? I don't know. Anyway, I'm asking you. <laughs> Look, not everybody's a Dory Shafrir who wants to know about the bone zone. Okay, so I have to tell you. Take me to the bone zone, okay. Dory, this book does not have graphic sex. It has sex. Our characters do yes. consummate their relationship mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there are orgasms. But for whatever reason, as I was writing this, I did not write detailed sex scenes between the two of them. I don't know. I, and I, you know what's weird is for some reason I thought, I was like, oh, I can't write sex scenes. But I just drafted my next book. And the two main characters in that book, I just they are just boning everywhere. And I wrote it in great detail. So the next book is way more filled with sex than this book. And I, I, I think it's because this book just kind of had like a real... PG-13, sunny, like we're just mm. holding hands, tromping around, eating slices yep, of pizza yep, kind yep. of vibe yep. that for them to all of a sudden be like, bend over the couch. Let me spread your leg. Okay. Oh. Do I need to go there? I'm <laughs> hmm, sorry. We're leaving it just that didn't, in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks. Sorry. It just didn't like the, the, the characters didn't, I don't know. It didn't lend themselves to like detailed. There's definitely detailed like hooking up, but it's, I don't get into, um, you know, like uh, as much detail about their intimacy as I think you find in a lot of books right now. So, you know, and it's been funny. I've been like reading some reviews and some of the reviews are like, I really wish this book was steamier. And I get it because I love very steamy books. And again, my next one will probably be way steamier. But for some reason, these characters, like as I wrote them, they just didn't go there. And and I don't know how else to kind of articulate it. Um you know, but they do like, and they're also kind of like awkward and dorky and they have like very sweet, like their first sex scenes, like very awkward. She like can't get her pants off because they're wet. Like, you know, just things that like, I feel like would happen to me always kind of happen um, to old little Franny. So, but they do have sex. They, and they are both very good at sex and um, pleasuring themselves and their partners. Just want to make that clear. Mm. Well, I'm excited for your next book. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll send the next book is like, it, it's like funny to me how different it is in that way. 
Um, and I truly think it's just what you discover as you write the characters. That's the only yeah. conclusion I've made because I can't figure out why in this book I didn't and in the next book I did. So this, the, so in a New York minute is what we kind of call in the romance genre. It's not closed door where there's like no mention of the sex or like alluded to, but doesn't happen. It's like a little like a cracked door, I would say. Okay. All right. Okay. Good. So we, we've set those expectations. Well, that's actually a good transition to my next question, which is about your kind of uh, romance lineage, if you will. Oh. I'm curious, like, when did you start reading romance? Okay. Who were you reading? Who are the romance authors you grew up with? So I had a very different experience where I did not grow up reading romance. Um, the books that were in my home, my mom read mystery books. My mom was like the you, was Dory. Mm -hmm. You and my mom had the same taste in books. Okay. So I was reading like Stephen King when I was like 11. I wasn't reading Daniel Steele. So to be very honest, I didn't read romance really until I was an adult. And the gateway for me was reading Twilight. And I read that two years after my mom died. And it was maybe the first book I had kind of read in my grief, my deep grief. And that opened me up to like a to YA. And so, and I had never really read YA before as an adult. So after I read Twilight, I read, you know, The Hunger Games and Divergent. And then from reading all this kind of like slight fantasy dystopian YA, I started reading contemporary YA. And that led me to people like Jenny Han and um, Jennifer E. Smith, whose uh, books I, I, I love, and um, Stephanie Perkins, like all these YA romance writers. And then I was like, oh, this exists in adult fiction too? Like, what am I doing over here where we're not getting into, like I say, the bone zone? Like, I want to I wanna get into it. And um, one thing that had happened, Dory, is that when I was reading Twilight, I got very deep into Twilight fan fiction, which was very I, I like all um I like AU, which is like alternative universe fan fiction where they're not where Edward's not a vampire. I like Edward as just a person. So like there's okay. no okay. there's all no right. werewolves. In my preferred Twilight fan fiction, it's like Edward's an artist and Bella's a librarian, or like Edward's a mafia guy and she's uh the other rival mafia like that's what i like in terms of my fanfic tastes so i was reading a lot okay. of romance via fanfic and um then my real gateway into like adult romantic contemporary fiction was christina lauren who are two amazing humans who write together mm -hmm. and their book which they they started out actually in the twilight fan fiction world individually writing and then they came together as writers and they're like prolific romance writers and have been super supportive of me and have been very inspiring for me to kind of learn from their books. I love their books. So they were like my first maybe like, yeah, now I'm reading adult. And oh, yeah. Were, oh, and, and like I didn't read Pride and Prejudice really until I think I was an adult. So I'm I'm behind, but there's never... It's never too late, you know? Yeah. And now I read as much as I can get my hands on in the romance world. So do you have other book, specific book, or just general author recommendations that you would like to share? I just feel like, where do I even begin? There are mm -hmm. 
So many talented people writing romance. And I do feel like the representation is is getting broader and more inclusive like you know i'm i'm i have a a book that i'm about to read by anita kelly called love and other disasters that features a non-binary love interest like it's just there's just so many amazing writers writing romance at this exact moment and one thing that um very selfishly has been fun about doing this podcast is i try to bring on a lot of them as guests talia hebert helen huang um we have Jasmine Guillory. I mean, just like <laughs> Amy Spaulding, who's been on, has an adult yep. book coming out. Um, and she's written some amazing YA romance. I mean, it's just, I like, you know, uh, The Idea of You by Robin Lee. I'm pointing at my bookshelf behind me. Um, I am reading uh, Farah Haran's new book, Camila Knows Best, which I'm, I mean, it's just, there's just so many. There's, and I'm, I, this is like tip of the iceberg, what I'm getting at. Tessa Bailey, Abby Jimenez, like there's something for everybody. You're not going to like everything I've just thrown out. Sally Thorne, Casey McQuiston. I mean, Dory, there's so much good stuff out there. Is there a book or an author that you, do you have a go-to when someone who has never read romance wants to like dip a toe into the genre? Do you have, do you have like a gateway romance book that you recommend? I think Christina Lauren's The Unhoneymooners is a good gateway because that is another book that, like my book, is, I would say, a cracked door. They are excellent at writing very detailed sex scenes. But The Unhoneymooners, I believe, I reread it recently and I'm, I might be mistaken, but I believe it's a bit more like PG-13-ish. So if you're kind of like, what is, what is this world? Yeah, that's a great and and it's a really kind of fun romantic comedy type book. Um, In fact, Kate, I believe that maybe I didn't talk about this on the pod, but I think I said this to you directly that I thought the book needed more sex. Yeah, well, especially because, you know, if you read all their books, most of their books have a lot of, you know, fucking in it. But I also Mm -hmm. think like, you know. The great thing about being a writer is like you get to do what you want with these totally. characters. Totally. And so I love that in that book they they did it. I mean, I just think it's so it's so interesting. I mean, I think Robin Lee's The Idea of You is like a real cult favorite. And I love I mean, that's a great one to kind of dig into. I mean, I also think like Jasmine's books are just like they're just like feel good really but like always exploring more complex things mm. while also just jasmine does such a great job of like weaving in extremely human uh experiences with really fun romance yeah i mean and there's just uh, there's just so many i don't know there's so many good i don't even i don't consider myself an expert on this i would say like go to the ripped bodices website and see what they're recommending because they are the experts. I mean, I also just want to shout out like Rebecca Weatherspoon writes some of my favorite. Ro- I'm, I'm naming too many people. Mm. Rebecca writes really great romance. Like she had a really fun book. I think I, I have her pronouns correct also. Um, called Rafe, who's a male nanny. And he's like the hottest male nanny. I think he might even have a Boston accent, which really does Ooh, it for me. Hello. Yeah, like a hot, gruff super kind of alpha male but he's a nanny Uh, 
<laughs> like Rebecca just writes some really fun. She writes sexy cowboys. I mean, there's just there's so much, and there's so many books I haven't read that I want to read. Yeah, the charm offensive. I mean, I could just go on and on. So I don't know. I'm overwhelmed by how much I love the genre slash how much there is left for me to explore. Mm. Well, Kate, I just I have a, I have a I mean, I could talk to you about this for hours. This is real fun. I'm know. getting into the swing of being the guest now. I'm really I'm heating up. Right. I'm enjoying right? it. Yeah, I'm okay. finding my footing okay. here. Okay. Um. Do you have advice that you would give to aspiring novelists in general, but, you know, romance writers in particular? Oh, a great question. I would say that do not worry if you feel like your idea isn't good or it's been done before. I would say if you like the idea that you have in your brain, Start playing with it and have fun with it and start writing. The only way you're going to write a book is if you sit down and write in whatever way. You don't need to have the perfect computer or notebook or pen. You just have to write. And it is the least sexy answer in the world. Um, but that is my advice. My my other advice would be to read. Reading is learning how to write. When I get stuck when I'm writing, I go and read a book that I think will help me or I'll read like one of my favorite, like The Hating Game is one of my favorite romances and it's a really great enemies to lovers. And so I'll go in and look at how like, how does this author tackle this? Or like, wow, what do I love about the way this person writes this? Or like, God, isn't it cool the way they did that? So I I think you have to read. um, But also... I also think it's great to not limit yourself to just one genre um, because you can find, you can learn from reading all sorts of things. So I do really think that if you want to write, you have to be reading. I think that's great advice. It's hard to find time to read, but that also includes like watching scripted TV. Yeah. Or movies, you know? Great point. Great point. Well, Kate, that, you have just, it's like you're, you're like reading my mind. (sighs) I know. Because my last question for you is, who would play your characters in the movie? Okay. I have to say, this is a question I've asked other writers, and I find this to be incredibly hard to answer. Did you find this? Did people ask you this when you wrote, a, when you wrote Startup? Yes, they did. It's a hard question to answer. Number one. I don't know most actors out there. There are so many, like these characters are about 30 years old. There's so many incredible actors in their 20s and 30s that I don't even like know about. You okay, know, I don't know who fair, is on fair. Euphoria. I don't know. I'm an, I, I have no time. So I am not a casting director and I'm not educated in who, who would be my people. So I don't have an answer for this. I really don't. And I, I feel like that's a cop out. The closest I've come to kind of figuring out a aspirational Franny would be like Pauline Chalamet. But oh, that's perfect. I mean, look, that from is literally perfect. Our that's lips perfect. You nailed to it. Netflix's ears. Oh, my Somebody God. Yes. Call me up. Let's make she this is, a movie. She is 1000% I like Franny. Her. Yeah, I mean, well, that's very generous of you. You know, I don't. There's, but, but, like anybody, I'll take anyone. I don't care. I feel like Hayes is a Zac Efron. 
he could he could do it. Okay, fine. Dory, fine. I'll let him be in my movie I mean, of my if book. If anything, I was thinking he might be a little old. He might be a little old. What is he, like 35? How old is Zac Efron? Let's just give him a Google. 1987. Okay, so he's he could, 35. He could do it. Yeah. He could do it. I he's th- a handsome I think, man. I think he's very handsome. And I yeah, think he can handsome. play this sort of like aloof, the hot aloof guy. But he's also wow. funny. He can do comedy too. You know what he is very good at and very good in is The Greatest Showman, a movie I've seen a thousand times with my children. I mean, he's also great in Neighbors. Do we love Zac Efron? I love. I'm not. I mean, I, this is not a secret. I'm not, I no, think Zac I'm not Efron hot is great. for him. Okay, but I, get I do it. think he's I very talented. That. Yeah. Yes, and I think he's very. Have I mentioned that I think he's very handsome? Yeah, you really. I didn't know that this was your like little crush here, but this it, is. It's not a crush. I don't actually like want to have sex with Zac Efron, but I just think he <laughs> is very attractive, and I could see him in this role. That's all. Yeah, I'm saying. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no. If Zac Efron wanted to be in, like, be at his care, I mean, God, that would be a dream. Um, but I would probably leave it to a to a casting director. I truly I mean, don't know. Fine. <laughs> but I think I you thought about it. it. I do Chalamet. think about it. Pauline Chalamet seems kind of fun. She's got kind of like a quirky vibe to her that I'm I'm into. Yeah, I agree. She's yeah. great. Give me some. Give me some Chalamet. <sighs> Um, well, Kate, I mean, could this have been more delightful? I don't think so. I mean, it was very easy for me. I didn't have to do any research on our guest today. I just uh, <laughs> didn't have to read anything. Showed up? No, no, I didn't have to read a book. I just, I just came here, and that was very fun for me. Thank you for giving me the space to share my story and my work. I appreciate. Oh my gosh, it. truly, my pleasure. Um, our listeners know where to find you, so I'm not even going to ask that. But <laughs> I hope so. Is there any is there anything else you want to mention before we say goodbye? You know, I just want to mention how like generous and supportive our listener community has been hmm. to me throughout this process. It's been really I appreciate that people have cheered me on and have read the book and just been really, you know, have pre-ordered the book. I, f- I feel incredibly grateful. Um, and so I did just want to note that. I just feel very lucky that we have this amazing community of people who are like, you can do it, Kate, when I feel Aww. like I can't do it. That's really special. So thank you, listeners of this yeah, podcast. Listeners are the best. You're really great. I mean, we're, I'm doing a live event and People are people are flying in, like listeners are getting on. Not a lot, but a couple have told me they're getting on planes. That's amazing to attend me talking about my book. Like what? Oh, that's amazing. So can't wait. I can't wait. I I hope one day we can just do all things in real life again someday. Yes, with all of you. Me too. Well, Dory, thank you again for um, hosting me and for being such a wonderful um, host hostess. Oh, well, thank you so much. All right, everyone. Kate's book is out on Tuesday. Buy it. Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrir, and Kate Spencer when she's not a guest and produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Greed is our project manager. Our network partner is ACAST. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>